Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, Transformation Church. How are we doing this morning? Our 1030 service, you alive? All right. Good deal. Well, like Pastor Brad said, my name's Karen, and I serve here on staff as our Next Steps Director, and it's honestly been the privilege of my life um, that all of that is true. He called me into his office, said, how much do you make? And I was really thrown off by that. I thought it was a real personal question, but it worked out for me in the end, so I get to do what I love with people that I love. Um, When I was 16 years old, I felt like the Lord was starting to call me into full-time ministry, and I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know where that was going to be, and I didn't know who that was going to be with, but I can stand here today and say that God is good because he has totally been a part of this journey of me coming to Pensacola and being a part of Transformation Church, so I'm just so thankful, and I don't want to do anything else today before I stop and I take a moment to just honor the Livingston family, Pastor Dan and Miss Kathy, Pastor Brad and Ashley. Um, Yeah, let's give it up for them. They're absolutely amazing. I don't think... I don't think they realize what they've done for my life, how they've believed in me, how they've poured into me, how I've been able to watch them serve people in public and in private. Um, They truly are the real deal, and they have honestly changed my life. I I truly mean that. So I I love you guys. I thank you for your ministry. You're amazing. So so thankful to know you and to do life with you. Um, There's a couple other people that I just want to let you guys know is in the house today. My family's here today. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) without my parents and and my family I would not be the person I am today so I just want to honor you I love you both so much thank you for everything you've ever done for me Um, I am who I am today because of you so All right, we're going to jump in today. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. I've been told that I can talk to a brick wall and I can talk someone's ears off, so we're going to get started, okay? Um, So we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. If you didn't bring bring a Bible, it's totally okay. We'll have it on the screen for you so you can follow along. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10 says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And I want to stop right there just to let you know that Nehemiah would absolutely be a friend of Transformation Church. Because if this is your first Sunday and you don't know, we love good food. Come on. We like to eat. So Nehemiah is telling people, listen, it's going to be all right. Go get some good food, which I don't, I can't tell you how many times Pastor Brad has said that to me. So he would be a friend of the house. Um, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today, Lord. I come to you and I am asking that your Holy Spirit would have your way in this place, God, that you would help me, that you would put your very word in my mouth, God, and that you would be glorified. We love you and we thank you for everything that you've already done, and we will praise you forever and ever. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So we're in the middle of our summer at TC series, and one of my favorite things about summer is I'm constantly hearing about all the trips and vacations that people are taking and where they're going. It's so fun. Um, It's just an awesome time um, that you get to spend with your family going cool places, and you come back and get to see pictures on Facebook. So I love summer. When I was growing up in Georgia, summer for me meant hot, sweaty, 6 a.m. softball practices with mosquitoes and dirt, and then I would have to come home and cut the grass for my dad, and dad, no comment up there, thank you. And, um, (laughs) but summers in Pensacola, I love it, man. I love being so close to the beach, and I, so I didn't grow up here, so I haven't gotten used to that yet, so I love it, but me and my family a couple weeks ago, we decided that we were going to take a family vacation. We hadn't done that in a really long time, and my sister really wanted to go to Disney World. Because my nieces, you see, they're four and seven, which means they're young enough that they still like to dress up and they get really excited about meeting princesses and all of that fun stuff. And they're old enough that they're hopefully going to remember this in the future because if you've ever been to Disney World, you know it costs a pretty little penny. So my sister wanted to make sure they remember it, if you know what I'm saying. So we decided that they were old enough, and so we were going to take them to Disney World. And I brought some pictures to show you. So this is my family. It should come up on the screen. This is my two sisters and my nieces and my mom. My dad's not in the picture because he's taking it. If you meet my dad, he will tell you he, he lives in an ocean of estrogen because he's the only man in, in the house. Uh, my brother-in-law was, was here, but he wasn't ready for the picture. So these are my two sisters, and this is my sister, my brother-in-law, my nieces on the infinite teacup ride. It was really fun. And then this one's my favorite. We were on the uh, this new ride called the Seven Doors Mine Train. My sister's probably going to kill me for showing this picture, but it was really fun. I think it was awesome. So we have a great time in Disney World, right? We're there. We're doing all this stuff. It's great. And then my sister tells me a couple days in, she says, hey, I've made the girls an appointment at the Bippity Boppity Boutique. And I say, cool what is that? And am I going? Um, And the Bippity Boppity Boutique was a place where they'll take um, little girls and they'll kind of pamper them and they'll do their hair and their makeup and they really make them feel like a real life princess. It's so awesome. So my sister made an appointment for my two nieces to go to this boutique and be pampered and she told me that it was going to take about an hour to an hour and a half. So you already know what I was thinking. Nap time. This is nap time for me. We've been walking, we've been eating. My mom and my sister wear a Fitbit religiously every single day, and they said that one day we walked over 11 miles, so I was feeling it, and when she tells me that my nieces have an appointment, I am thrilled, because I'm like, oh my gosh, nap time, I'm not gonna miss anything, because I didn't wanna miss them taking pictures with princesses or rides or anything like that, but they're gonna be back in a salon, I'm not gonna miss anything. So I go back to the hotel, and I'm gonna have a nap, right? So I get there, and I'm, I lay down on the bed and I turn on the TV because I'm just going to wind down. And I'm a typical millennial, which means I have Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. And I am set. I'm good to go. So I do not have cable. I haven't had cable for years. Typical millennial. So when I get to the room and I turn on the TV, I'm like, oh my gosh, cable. I haven't watched cable in forever. I'm going to watch this for a second before I go to sleep. When I turn on the TV, the news was on, and I haven't watched the news in forever. I try to keep up with stuff through the internet, but because I don't have cable, I never watch the news, you get the picture. So I thought, well, I'll watch it for a couple minutes. And in that moment, really that whole day changed for me because when I turned on the television and I was watching the news, 
I heard that there were two parents that had just been convicted guilty for murdering their own five-year-old little girl. There was a suicide bomber in Sri Lanka that killed and seriously injured several innocent people for no agenda but his own. And then I heard about a 22-year-old girl that was found dead in an airport bathroom because she overdosed on heroin. I wasn't watching the news for longer than 10 minutes. And here I am in the happiest place on earth, having a great time with my family, and I'm bombarded because even in the happiest place on earth, I couldn't escape the realities of the world around us. And in that moment, I think I asked myself a question that I, I think if we would be honest in the room today that most of us ask ourselves often, which is, how am I supposed to live this abundant life that Jesus offers me, that the Bible talks about? I go to church every Sunday, and I'm constantly hearing about being joy-filled and abundant life, and it's so great. But then, go back to reality. And something as simple as turning on the news makes me wonder, is genuine joy possible in a dark and dying world? And so that's where I was at that day. And if I'm being honest, I kind of wrestled with that a little bit. And then I was reminded of Nehemiah. If you don't know who Nehemiah is, he is someone that I've loved learning about. So Nehemiah <clears throat> was a guy that lived a long time ago before me and you, way, way, way long time ago. And he was the guy that you always wanted to be around. Nehemiah was always invited to the parties because he always had a great attitude, a smile on his face. He was a great guy, right? You can picture him. He's just always happy, telling jokes. He always has the best perspective. He's optimistic. This is who Nehemiah is. Nehemiah is also a cupbearer. And what a cupbearer meant back in that time was that he was someone that was kind of the secondhand man to the king. He would drink the king's wine and eat the king's food before the king did to make sure that no one was trying to poison him. Now, to me and you, that sounds like the worst job ever. Um, but back in the day, it was actually a, a seat of honor because you have to understand that Nehemiah was going to go where the king went. Nehemiah was going to do what the king did. He was going to eat what the king ate. I mean, he's, he's living in a palace. Nehemiah has a pretty good life. And on top of that, he is worshiping God. He's walking with the Lord, and it's showing to everyone around him. That's why he was the person that he was. It wasn't just coincidence. No, he loved God, and it showed through his life. So Nehemiah is living large in the palace. He's, he's serving with the king and doing what the king does and having a great time. And so one day he walks into the room as he did every day as was custom, but something was different. And Nehemiah and the king, you see, they, they had developed a friendship over years because this man is putting his life on the line every day. So the king comes to respect him and they become close. And when Nehemiah walks in, the king can tell something's different. Something's not right. Nehemiah is not his usual self. He says, Nehemiah, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? Are you sick? What's going on? And then Nehemiah begins to tell him what he's just heard, which is that there are people miles away that have just been attacked by an enemy and their whole city has been destroyed. 
Their homes are a mess. They're, everyone's there. It's homeless. They have no food, no shelter. I mean, this is a total disaster zone. If this was in this time, there would be FEMA would show up on the scene trying to help. There would be ambulances in and out, fire trucks, first responders. I mean, everybody's on the scene because this is truly a disaster zone. And Nehemiah looks at the king and said, well, how can I not be upset? I've just heard about what's happening to people just miles away from here. How could I not be upset? And because Nehemiah and the king had developed a friendship, the king looked at his second-hand man who was there to protect him day in and day out. He looked at him and he said, well, what do you want to do? Nehemiah said, I want to go. I want to go help. I want to go rebuild. And you have to understand that that was a brave thing to say to the king because when he was saying that to the king, he was saying, I've got to leave you and I've got to go help someone else right now. He could have been killed for doing that in that time. But again, because of the relationship, the king looked at Nehemiah and he said, well, how long will you be gone? Nehemiah said, I need about two months. I need about 60 days. And Nehemiah said, or the king said, okay, go. Nehemiah said, great. And then he starts to go. And then I can imagine he turned around and he said, I need supplies. And the king gave him every supplies, all the supplies that he would need, all of the, the assets that the king had to Nehemiah to go and rebuild this city completely for free. It's amazing. And I want to remind you, this king was not uh, worshiping the same God that Nehemiah was. He was a pagan king. He didn't believe, and you have to understand, Nehemiah was so distraught that these people were living in disaster because these were God's people. So the fact that the king let Nehemiah go and then gave supplies for free is really, truly God's hand at work. So Nehemiah goes, he's got all of his supplies, he's got all of his help, He goes and um, he shows up and he's walking around and he's devastated because he sees all of the disaster, these people living in homelessness, and he's overtaken by the tragedy of the situation. And he looks the people in the eye and he says, I'm here and we're going to start rebuilding. When it comes to finding joy in the midst of dark seasons, there's a couple things you have to do. The first thing is you have to know who is for you. You have to know who is for you. See, when Nehemiah showed up on the scene, these people had no idea that anyone was coming. They're sitting in the midst of the hardest season of their life. They're homeless. Their families have been separated. They have nothing to eat, nothing to drink, no shelter. I mean, it really is hard times. And then Nehemiah shows up and he says, guys, I'm here. I have supplies at no cost to you. You don't have to play it back. Let's do this. And Because Nehemiah had been walking with the Lord years before, years before, and he had been pursuing the Lord and living a life of of integrity and joy and walking in freedom, he made an impression on the king, and so the king found favor in him. But make no mistake about it, it was God that sent Nehemiah to the people. It was God that supplied everything that they would need to start rebuilding their city, So when you're going through a situation where you're looking to the sky and you're saying, God, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. I want you to remember the same way that God sent Nehemiah to a hurting city. He is sending people to you. It make no mistake about it. God has his eye on you. He has not forgotten about you. And he's not only going to send a rescuer to you, it's going to be at no cost to you. 
Isaiah 49:16 says, "See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me." I, re- I remember reading this verse for the first time as a teenager, and it struck me. I remember my sister, she loved to paint, and she painted it on a canvas for me, and it was hanging in my bedroom every day, and I looked at it because I marveled at the fact that the hands that had scars on them from the nails when he hung in the cross, beside the scar is my name. Behind, beside the scar is your name. And so whenever you're walking through a season that's unexpected, that seems tragic, you've got to remember that the God that not only died for you, gave his life for you, he hasn't forgotten about you. No, you're in the palm of his hand and whatever you're going through is before him. So you have to know who is for you. The second thing that you have to do if you're going to have joy in the midst of a dark world is you have to let others help you. You have to let others help you. Nehemiah 4.10 says, In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Can't you imagine the scene? The city is destroyed. Can you imagine? Just take a second. What if Pensacola was ultimately destroyed, the whole thing? It'd be a mess everywhere. And in this verse, they're saying, it's too much. We're not going to be able to rebuild the wall. And then Nehemiah shows up. He says, guys, I'm here. I'm here and I have help. We have supplies. We're going to do this. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would have been if Nehemiah had shown up to the city and there's this destruction everywhere and the people said, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. No, really, no, Nehemiah, we're fine. We got this. And he's looking around. He's like, I'm sorry to tell you, but I don't think you have this right now. I see what you've been through. Let me help you. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would have sounded if they said, no, 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 we're fine. But how many of us are going through seasons where it's apparent you've been through something and God is sending you help. He's sending people to walk alongside you and help you get through it so that you're not isolated in loneliness. And then what do we do? We look at the people that God has sent us and we say, no, we're fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You have to let others help you. Listen, I'm not saying that because you have someone in your life that can walk alongside you and be in your corner and it's not going to leave, that life's going to be easy. No, in fact, I'm going to believe with what Jesus said in John 16, that says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Even Jesus said that we would have trouble. So I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but what I am saying is that you've got to stop turning away the help that God himself has sent you. There's a reason we call this a family. It's the blood of Jesus that ties us together, and he's sending you help. He's sending you friends, and you've got to stop turning them away, and we've got to stop pointing the finger at God. Because I think if we would be honest in the room, whenever we do face tragedy, one of the first things that we do is we want to shake our fists up to the sky and we say, God, if you're good, why is this happening? And we fail to remember that God came from heaven to earth and he made a perfect world. 
that was sinless, that was without disaster, was without devastation, it was without crime and rape and incest and and failed relationships. It was a perfect world where man walked in the cool of the day with God. And then what happened? God said, you've got to do this one thing for me. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then they did, and what'd they do? He did it, she did it. God, it's your fault. You shouldn't have put the tree there. And God said, I I had to because love without choice isn't love. And we ball up our fist and we point our finger at God and he points it right back at you. And while we're pointing at him, he points at us and he says, you, you, her, him, I want them all. They're all my kids. I'll do whatever it takes. I need them. I can't live without them. Whatever it takes. Does it take my son, my one and only son? I'll send him. I'll do it because I can't have heaven without them. You have to, the third thing that you have to do is you have to celebrate what was done for you. You have to celebrate what was done for you. We're going to go back to Nehemiah 8 verses 10 that we read at the beginning, which says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I grew up in church. I went to church just about every Sunday. And I heard people constantly say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you're going through hard times, the joy of the Lord. And I never understood that until I read this story with Nehemiah. You see, the Bible says that they were mourning and they were weeping as the law was being read. And that's why Nehemiah said, stop grieving. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What, he, what was happening there is the people had realized through this devastation, through this hard time, they had done nothing but blame God. They had done nothing but turn their backs from God. Everything that God had encouraged them to them to do, that they totally turned from that, and they had turned their back on the one that was turning their situation around. And they realized it, and they were overtaken. They were mourning and weeping. And Nehemiah said, don't mourn or weep. The joy of the Lord is your strength because you are on the brink of a new beginning. God has not forgotten about you. In fact, he sent me here to help you with supplies at no cost to you. There's nothing that you had to do. Can you imagine them sitting there in the city wondering how much longer are we going to be here? There's too much rubble. We can't rebuild it. And God never forsake them all the while. They were pointing their fingers at him and blaming them. He was pointing right back. He said, Nehemiah, go for them. Go for them. And I want you to know today that the same thing he's doing to you and to me. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know if you've walked through a cancer diagnosis. I don't know if you've walked through, uh, you had to, maybe you lost your job and it really put a financial burden on your family. I don't know if you've lost someone close to you. I don't know if you just feel like you're in this whole big world all alone. But what I do know is that God sees you, He loves you, and 2,000 years ago, He sent His Son for you. 
completely for you. The one thing that would pay the price, that would be the sacrifice he gave. You have to celebrate what was done for you because Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We do live in a dark and dying world. Jesus did say, you will have trouble. He did. So I'm not saying that everything's gonna be easy, but what I am saying is that because of Jesus, you can make it through it. Like I said, I don't know what you've been through, but you don't know what I've been through either. Because I've been on the other side. I've been on the other side of the counselor's table when she looked at me and she said, Karen, you're just not getting better. I think we need to talk about some medication now. You see, I'd been going to counseling for six months and nothing was getting better. I felt like I was in a dark pit and I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I was going through a really hard season that was honestly really unexpected. I had a failed relationship and I didn't realize that my entire future was banked on that relationship. My entire identity was in that relationship. So when I lost it, I felt lost. I've been there and I remember the night that I drove to my friend's house and I said, I don't know if I wanna see tomorrow. I just don't know. At the time I was 22. I'm 22 years old and I feel like this. I've got a whole life ahead of me. I, I don't know. And I let her in and she reminded me that there is a God that gave his life, that has his eye on me and that though you will have trouble to take heart because he's already overcome. He's already overcome every situation you're going through. He's already overcome everything you're going to go through that you don't even know about yet. He has, and that's why you can make it through. I think a lot of times as Christians, we rock around with this fake it till you make it mentality. I have to be happy. I'm a Christian, I have to be. I need to be the happiest people on earth. And there's real tragedy, there's real pain, but there's also foundational joy because God Almighty walks with you. So I don't know what you're going through today, but I do know that you are sent here today on purpose with a simple message that don't stop, keep going, God is with you. He does love you. He does have his eye on you. Your name is engraved on his hand. He hasn't forgotten about you. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everything that you're doing in this place, God. I thank you for what you've done for me, Lord. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are my rescuer. You are everything that turns it around, God. When I feel 
hopeless, when I feel lost in the dark, when I feel directionless and I have no identity, you are the one that constantly comes. You are the one that never forgets. You are the rescuer, God. And I thank you for everything that you're doing. I pray for every person in this room that you would touch them exactly where they're at, that the Holy Spirit would speak to them and that they would know that you are on their side, that you are a good, good father and that you are sending help, that there's people around them that they can lean on and that we would trust you every day, no matter what comes, because you are good and you are for us, for, for our good and your glory, Lord. I'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes closed and, and your head bowed because I feel like there may be someone in the room today that while we've been talking about this God and, and Jesus, that you're thinking to yourself, I don't have that. I don't have a relationship like Karen's talking about. I do feel lost in the dark. I do feel like there's no light at the end of this tunnel. I feel like I don't want to see tomorrow. And if you're in the room today, I just want you to know that all you have to do is receive it. The Bible says that if you do a simple thing that you have faith in Jesus and you confess your sins and confess that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So if that's something that you wanna do today, I'm gonna ask you to take a step of bravery. No one's gonna come to you. We're not gonna embarrass you. But what I'm gonna ask you to do that if you want to today make a decision to give your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. Again, no one's gonna come to you. No one's gonna embarrass you. This is your public de declaration that you are giving your life to Jesus, the one that gave his life for you. One, no one's gonna come to you. This is just for you. Two, three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand across this room. Amen, amen. If there's anyone else, just an act of bravery that you would raise your hand. We're gonna pray a prayer together and I'm gonna ask that everyone would pray with us so that those that are praying this for the first time aren't praying alone. So if you'll repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I love you. I know that you sent your son for me. I'm putting my trust in you. I put my hope in you and I give my life to you this day and forevermore. You are my God. I love you and we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If everyone you'll put your hands together for those that prayed that for the first time today. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.